0: You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. Our sermon text this morning is going to come from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 13 through 22. 22. So please give God's word your full attention as I read it to us. Again, that's Deuteronomy 18, 13 through 22. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations, which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on that day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true. And it is given to us because our Heavenly Father loves us. Would you join me in prayer? Fathers, we enter into a busy season. We do pray you would speak to us clearly through this, your word shape us, mold us, make us into your people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's been a season of hope, at least as of recently. In the midst of a global pandemic, our little corner of the earth seems to be filled with hope. Vaccines are working. Kids are back at school. COVID is not overwhelming hospitals. My goodness, our church was able to play soccer in a bubble. But then, Omicron, a blow of fear, the most significant variant to date, the headlines read, COVID for you and for me, I presume you like me, has been two years of relentless fears dashed with moments of hope, met with new fears, met with glimmers of new hope. I'm becoming jaded going through this cycle of hope and fear. And this year for the Advent season, I wanted to reflect on a little line from the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hope's and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. This advent season as we reflect on the first coming of Jesus that we celebrate in Christmas and prepare for his second coming this year in a roller coaster of hopes and fears I want to reflect on the ways in which the birth of Jesus Christ is a culmination of fears greater than any variant could present and the culmination of the hopes greater than any vaccine or treatment could ever offer. This Advent season, I want to wrestle through the ways in which the hopes and the fears of all of humanity throughout all time are met, square-faced, looked in the eyes at the birth, in the birth of Jesus. And this is what we will be reflecting on in this sermon series. This first Sunday, I want to look at this somewhat strange and uh, unique passage, which feels disconnected from lights and wreaths, but really highlights a deep hope and a deep fear that resides in all of humanity, a deep hope and a deep fear that is met at the birth of Jesus. And it's this deep fear that there is nothing out there in the universe, This deep fear that we're living in a loud void, and yet we have to live with this haunting hope that maybe there's something we ought to be listening to, and this deep fear that we might be missing out, that it might get lost in the noise. As we prepare for the Christmas season this morning, here's what I think this passage presents to us. It confirms one of the greatest hopes that the human race has ever experienced, and that is a hope that God would be caught speaking to us. But it also challenges and confronts one of our greatest fears, and it's our fear That we might miss God in His Word, that His words might get lost in the noise. So, first, let's talk about how this passage confirms our greatest hopes that there is something out there, that there is a God who speaks. Now, where do we see that in this somewhat peculiar passage, at least to read during the Christmas season? Let me give you some background. The book of Deuteronomy is a a collection of sermons from Moses, the leader of God's people. God has broken into history, delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt. They failed to trust him, and in a moment of anxiety, they're punished and and forced to wander wander 40 years through the wilderness. Their wandering is coming to an end, so also is Moses' life. They're soon to inherit their promised land. And Moses leaves these sermons. And in these sermons, he's preparing this group of former slaves to be a nation. Chapter 17 is about the type of kings they ought to look for. Chapter 18 is about the priests they need. And at the end of chapter 18, what we're looking at today Moses talks to the people about prophets. And in this passage, we see the greatest hopes of all the years collide, that that there might be someone out there greater than us that wants to speak to us, that wants to communicate uh, to us. Moses says, God will raise up a prophet, and it's that prophet you are to listen to. In verse 16, he recaps God's interactions with his people on Mount Sinai called Mount Horeb as the nation assembled and they received God's laws, but also entered ceremonially into a unique, special relationship with God, the God who spoke this world into existence from nothing the God who spoke over one man named Abraham and transformed him in from a wander transformed him from a wandering man, hoping one day to hear from the divine realm, to a person who knew the God who made the heavens and the earth, and who was transformed into a mighty and powerful nation. The same God who spoke to Moses at the burning bush, he now is speaking directly to his people at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. And he's promising not just that he spoke in the past, not that he's even speaking now through Moses, but he's promising that he will speak again and he will speak definitively to them. And this is good news. This is what Christmas is all about. Our universe isn't a silent universe. We're not some cosmic cosmic accidents, coincidentally feeling and searching for meaning in a somewhat meaningless world. We were given ears, not as an evolutionary means of surviving, but because our God speaks, and it is our duty to listen. The Bible essentially is one long story of God speaking to His people, and Christmas is the culmination of God speaking. And listen, church, God has spoke. He has spoken definitively. He has spoken clearly, and the hopes and longings of all of humanity are met in this manger in Bethlehem as God's word becomes and takes on flesh. We don't live in a universe that is silent. The heavens declare the glories of God There is something about God out there that deeply reverberates in our hearts. And though we find it hard to listen, God has spoken and he has spoken most clearly at the birth of Jesus. We don't have bad news to share as God's people. In fact, we are a people who congregate together to remember and to share this good news that God has spoken into our world. And I think in many ways, it's very easy to take great confidence in sharing this good news even with people today. Joe Rogan, the most famous podcaster of our time, some 200 million people listen to his four-hour interviews where he talks about aliens and potential uh, you know, interacting with other life forms. Ours is a world where people long to hear an outside voice. The University of Toronto, along with McGill and University of British Columbia, have spent millions of dollars creating something called the CHIME, the Canadian Hydrogen Intensive Mapping Experiment, a radio telescope that is positioned in BC, and its goal is to hear into the universe. It's obviously trying to detect radio waves of stars that might be exploding. But everyone wonders, what will we actually end up hearing? Every interview they take about Chime, someone asks them about what they think they might hear. It's not just science fiction nerds that are searching God's grand universe for words to hear. Think of all of our fiction, where trees and animals are personified and they begin to speak to us. Why is it that we want them to speak? The great Leonard Bernstein of the New York Philharmonic, the, a conductor who was maybe the most famous uh, conductor of any, uh, any in the world, sort of the first conductor to be something of a celebrity, he wrote in his book, The Joy of Music, uh, what, it, what he thinks and what he experiences as he listens to the work of Beethoven. He writes this, Our boy has the real goods. This is his words, not mine. The stuff of heaven, the power to make you feel at the finish. Something is right in the world. There is something that checks throughout, that follows its own law consistently, something we can trust that will never let us down. Listen, Bernstein has no religious commitments as far as I can find. He doesn't believe there is a God who's spoken definitively and clearly to us, and yet in the area of his life where he has extreme mastery, most expertise, the area of music, especially of symphonies coming together and playing music, what he knows best is that as this music is played, there is something beyond. There is some measure of truth and meaning, some internal coherence which must exist. We can't be sensing this as some sort of cosmic accident. This is what he's stating. Church, we have a God who speaks, and this is what Christmas is all about. He spoke the world into existence by his very word. The heavens, even today, even now, declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaim his handiwork. But so also do the atoms and molecules and chemicals. The more we dig in, the more we're overwhelmed by how much God has put on display his handiwork and power. But at Christmas... In that town of Bethlehem, as the hopes and fears of all the years collide in that manger, we realize this grand fear that all of humanity faces, that we might just be alone, that we might have no one listening to us, and we might have no one to listen to. These fears are met with a quiet but subtle roar in the manger, At the heart of our universe is a person, and he speaks. You can hear him. You can know him. You can have a relationship with him. And when he speaks, he calls that which is his, his people, back to himself. So this Christmas, the only proper question to ask is, are you listening? This passage confirms our hope. The universe is in a silent void. At at the heart of the universe, we have a God who speaks, But this passage also opens up for us a very real question, which is great. God speaks, but how do we know we're actually listening correctly? How do we know we aren't listening to false words? And in fact, what's this business with uh, fortune tellers and even with prophets? Why can't God speak to us directly? Why does he need a mediator? Isn't this more subject to error? Well, our passage starts in verse 14 by pointing out that as uh, God's people are about to take over a land, as as people in this land are experiencing extreme judgment from God, these people are extreme, experiencing this judgment because they acted on something deep in their heart. There was a desire for the universe not only to speak, but that desire is for the universe to speak about their future. The, the angst of the future overwhelms them, and a whole collection of fortune tellers and And diviners had sprung up to sort of speak and interact with God on behalf of the people. How do they do it? I don't know. We get some hints earlier in the verse that they were able to make uh, extreme sacrifices, like even sacrificing their children in verse 10 of this very chapter, so that somehow they could be in connection with the divine will and maybe manipulate the divine will. But what we do know is this. Deep in your heart and in my heart, there is a desire to know the future because the future is terrifying. And from innocent little fun things like fortune cookies and the eight ball, which gives us the answers to these questions we ask, to more serious fortune telling that that comes with great consequences like the shops you can even see along the Danforth. God's people are warned that this is not where they will go to hear from their God. Moses tells them God will give them something different. Look at verses 16 and 17. God has spoken through the prophet Moses and he will speak again through another prophet. But he's doing this because at one point in their history, he spoke directly to them. He did it at Mount Sinai, at Mount Horeb, and this was an overwhelming experience. It was panic-inducing. God's Word stirred up fears of, uh, and visions of fire. It was as though imminent death was upon God's people. It was so soul-stirring. It created so much angst that the people begged God, say no more. We can't stand your presence. We can't stand your Word. We're unworthy to be near. Give us a mediator. And that's exactly what God did in His mercy. He decided he would take his words and he would translate them and dial them down, so to speak, through a mediator. These words would then come to God's people. This is not a fortune teller who's predicting the future for God's people, sort of coming uh, God's people could come to and get insight into the future. No, this is God's prophet who's called by God and God alone and who speaks God's words alone. He is a media, he is an in-between between God and the people because God is so radically different, and His presence is so uh, utterly uh, terrifying. But this prophet comes to speak God's message, not to uh, have uh, to manipulate God's future as a fortune teller would or a diviner. This passage is abundantly clear, though this form of communication is subject to errors. You can see it here. There's a chance the person will speak presumptively. They will think that the Lord told them something, and God says that person will be judged. The passage also tells us that they they will uh, they they will speak uh, their own words, and this too will bring about their judgment. But if the greatest fear that we have. Is that in the cacophony of noise that it is our world, we might miss the words of our God. That the words might overwhelm us. How does this passage tell us we can know we are hearing God at his word? Well, we're given two tests. The first is that, and I find this translation somewhat unfortunate, that the words of the prophet need to come to pass. But it might be better to translate this as that the words of the prophet are not to be. By this, I think what Moses is telling the people that when the prophet says things that are not in accord with what God has already told his people, these things are to be done away with. But it's not just that, uh, that the prophecies are not to be, it's also that the prophecies don't come to pass. If When one of these two criteria are meeting, that the, th- the prophecy doesn't line up with words that we know about God from the past, or whatever was uh, predicted does not come to pass, these words are to be ignored. And this is how we can know God is speaking, that his words don't get lost. We search out his word to know what is true, what is in line with the truth that has come before us as we hope and hold on to all the promises that are yet to come. And you see, this passage puts us in a collision course with what we know of Christmas. Because Moses speaks, yes, elsewhere of a line of prophets that were to come. He speaks of prophets being provided giving God's word to God's people so they did not need to go to fortune tellers. But he also speaks of a prophet in verses 15 and 18. One like them in every way, a brother, a fellow human, but one also like Moses, who will stand between God and humanity. One who will get access into God's realm, participate in the divine council and the divine courtroom, and who will plead the case of God's people in a direct conversation and broker a good and sweet deal for his people. It shouldn't surprise us that the New Testament takes these verses in chapter 18 and repeatedly shows them as pointing to Jesus. Peter and Stephen quote them directly. They say the one that Moses was writing about has come in Jesus. Moses' point is one is coming like you, like me, but his authority is so supreme and his teaching so seminal that our response to him will make all the difference in our life, all the difference in our salvation. That's what Moses was telling the people back then about, and that's what we need to hear today. When we hear from this prophet who is to come, we will have the most direct communication with God. And this is what Christmas is all about. God put on human flesh, not as a costume, But he took on a real and true humanity. The Godhead forever will include a human body. When the divine council comes together, there is a human mind and body that interacts in the Godhead. A true and real human being. One who had to learn his words from his mother Mary as she sung him to sleep. God has become like us in every way in Jesus Christ. And he did this to be a true and final prophet, speaking God's words to you, God's mouthpiece to you. And he's come like Moses to broker a better deal for you, a covenant, not by his faithfulness alone, but by his, also by his blood, a covenant that will require you to do nothing but to listen. Listen. To stop running away. His word is clear. His word is here. It's unmistakable. It's true. Everything he has said, it is before you. And this Christmas, I have to ask, what are you listening to? What are you searching for? What do you hope to find when you wake up every morning to read about a new variant or some statement made by a politician? Who cares if Omicron is followed by Upsilon? Who cares where the markets are going? Sure, you have to know these things, but who are you truly listening to and what do you hope to get out of what you're hearing? Who's calling the shots on your day and on your life? Listen, if you're hearing daily that God is against you or He is indifferent toward you or that He's too busy, then you this morning need to hear again, Jesus say, through another mediator, mediator, this is my body for you. This is my blood for you. Listen up. This is part of why I'm proposing you consider joining us in this Advent challenge of Scripture before screens, because the person and the voice that calls your shots on how to run your day will call your shots on how to run your week, which will call your shots on how to run your month and your year and your life. Listen to the one who has spoken, Jesus, God in flesh, the mouthpiece of God. He's not a fortune teller. He's not gonna predict things for your day and give you sort of keen insight into to how you are going to act, but he is and has spoken God's words to you and for you. They've been faithfully recorded in the scriptures. Let him call your shots. Listen to him. Our world is not a silent world. God has spoken. The only question this Christmas season is, are you willing to listen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Toronto Podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristchurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristchurchToronto.ca.